disrupt yourself? How will you disrupt yourself? How will you disrupt yourself? On today's show. Like if you want that million dollar dream, you're going to have to put in a million dollar effort. And when you do that, you're getting out of this safe, secure net. People aren't going to doubt you. But guess what? Only you were given that vision. They can't see it. God did not put it in their head. He put it in your head and your head only. So if they can't see it for you, you're going to have to see it for yourself. That's what I had to do. Welcome back to the Disrupt Yourself podcast where we provide strategies and advice on how to climb the S-curve of learning in your professional and personal life, disrupting who you are now to slingshot into who you want to be. I'm your host, Whitney Johnson. This week, I'm excited to share a portion of one of my recent LinkedIn live sessions. If you follow me on LinkedIn, you know that I love having casual and fun conversations there with inspiring people. One of those people is Jesse Ibuji a first-generation Nigerian-American, U.S. Navy Reserve officer, college football star, and if that's not enough, an accomplished and beloved professional NASCAR driver. How did he become a racing star? He just wanted it. And one day, he decided to go for it. Obviously, there's more to the story. So if you're looking for your daily dose of inspiration, Jesse's got it for you right now. Jesse, hello. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on the show. My very first question for you, Jesse, is for those who are international, can you mm-hmm. tell us what NASCAR is, first of all, and how you got interested in becoming a NASCAR racer? Yeah, so uh, NASCAR is the biggest motorsport in the United States of America. Um, I believe around the world, Formula One is the biggest motorsport, but um, in the U.S., NASCAR is the biggest motorsport. And in NASCAR, we have uh, multiple series and multiple levels, um, just like, you know, in anything. Let's say, you know, if you're looking to become a... uh, top-ranked type uh, soccer player, football player, depending on what you call it from wherever you're at, you know, you work your way up different levels, multiple levels of soccer before you finally get to the Premier League, before you finally get to the Olympics, before you finally get to competing internationally. Um, So in NASCAR, we have multiple levels. And in the top three levels of NASCAR, that's the NASCAR Truck Series, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Cup Series. The Cup Series is the one where most people have probably seen on TV, if you've ever seen anything about NASCAR, you've seen it on there. So uh, we race, we race cars, we race trucks, we race them on oval tracks, and we race them really fast at anywhere between 180 to 200 miles per hour. And uh, for those who are international who who use kilometers per hour, um, that's about the equivalent of, I would say, racing at uh, 300 to 350 kilometers per hour. I love it. Fast, fast, fast. Okay. How did you get interested in this sport? Because you didn't grow up doing it and grow up around it. So tell us how you got interested, how you wanted to jump to this S-curve. Yeah, so um, I got interested in NASCAR um, way late in life. Um, I don't have the typical race car driver journey. Most racing drivers start racing go-karts at age five or six years old. And then from there, they work their way up the different levels of racing to the point where they eventually start racing in NASCAR by their early 20s or so. For me, um, I did not get interested in NASCAR that early. Both of my parents are originally from Nigeria. Uh, They immigrated from Nigeria to the U.S. back in the 80s. My dad came over here first because he wanted to provide a better opportunity for his family when he first got here to the U.S. So he got his education, 
went back to Nigeria, married my mom, brought her back to the U.S., and then decided to settle in Dallas, Texas. And uh, being from Dallas, Texas, you know, for those who are here in the U.S., they understand that uh, Texas uh, football, American football, is the biggest sport in Texas. So naturally, I gravitated towards playing football. And I worked really hard to get better and better and better at football so that I could eventually get recruited by some universities so that I could go to universities for free and play football and get my education. The university that uh, recruited me at first was the Naval Academy. And I looked at it as a really good opportunity to go to a great school, get a great education, and be able to play sports for teams that were winning a lot of games. So I, I took that opportunity and went to the U.S. Naval Academy. I got there in 2006 and I played football for all four years. And I also ran track and field um, while there for all four years. Uh, graduated in 2010 and became a surface warfare officer in the Navy. So as a surface warfare officer in the Navy, what we do is we operate the ships. And as a ship driver, I've driven multiple ships. Um, the two ships that I was on were, one was a minesweeper and the other one was an amphib. A uh, minesweeper is about a 224 foot long ship. And all we do is hunt for mines in the water and uh, explosive mines. <laughs> and then on the amphib, it's a, uh, it's a big, um, ship that we use for any times we want to do any kind of landings on the beach we carry all the equipment on that ship it's over 600 feet long with over 800 people on board a lot of stuff going on i went on multiple deployments with those ships but uh when i came back from those deployments while still being active duty in the navy I was looking for the next sport that I wanted to compete in. I wanted to compete in something that was fun. I, football was over for me because I wasn't playing it anymore in college. I was out of college. So I was looking for the next thing. And I had always liked cars. I had always liked racing. And finally, I was sitting in my room one night and I just made a decision. I was like, I'm going to go after professional racing. I'm going to become a professional race car driver and I'm going to do it while still being active duty in the Navy. And at this point when I made that decision, I wasn't on the ships anymore. I was on land. So I had a little bit more free time, but this is what kind of got me towards wanting to be a driver. And then from there, I just had to be resourceful. I had to figure out where do I even find a team to race with? How do I find the money to do it? I had to ask myself these questions. And when I asked myself these questions, I had to go research and find the answers just because I didn't know how to at that time doesn't mean I can't achieve it. In order to achieve what you want in life, you have to get up and take action every single day. You have to ask the right questions and continue to ask the questions and continue to seek the answers. If one person doesn't give it to you, you go, you go to the next person. If they don't give it to you, you go to the next. Use all resources available, find the answers, solve the problems, and you achieve what you want. And that's what I did to start working my way up the, the professional racing ladder. And now I'm racing on national TV in NASCAR. Okay, all right, you're just blowing my mind. So <laughs> Sitting in your room and you say, I want to become a NASCAR racer. Like, take us from 30,000 feet. Take <laughs> us down a little bit more. Give us a little bit more of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so going into some more details on that. So when I was sitting in my room that night, I had this clear vision, seeing myself become a professional race car driver. Because prior to that, um, I wasn't completely new to cars. I had a Corvette and I had a Dodge Challenger. And I would take these cars to local road course tracks and local drag strips. And I would, you know, do open track days, which are anyone could bring their vehicle to. So, you know, here in the U.S., uh, different tracks will open up on the weekends where any amateur can come and bring their car and test it and drive it and have fun. And I did that for a few years on my off weekends. And after a few years of that, I finally just 
you know, sitting there, I was like, I like this, but I want to take it to the next level. So when I was sitting in my room, it was January 2014, and I had a clear vision seeing myself become a professional race car driver. So I just made the decision that I wanted to be one. I pulled my whiteboard off my wall. I erased whatever was on that whiteboard and wrote one big goal to become a pro driver. From there, I had to, like I said, ask those questions on how do I find a race team? How do I uh, learn how to drive a race car? How do I find the funding? How do I do all this stuff? Because these are the questions that I was seeing. Immediately, the first thing I did was try to be resourceful. So I went on Google because Google, you can get a lot of questions answered on there. I, I literally type in a question, how to become a professional race car driver. Immediately, I was met with a lot of negativity because I went onto some forums and everyone said, you can't do it unless you come from a wealthy family because you need a lot of money to do it. You can't do it unless you uh, come from a racing background because you need connections. You can't do it because uh, you don't look like everybody else. You're African-American. The African-Americans, we, we, we don't race uh, motorsports and all that stuff. That's, that's all the stuff that I was seeing online. So I was like, you know, what? I'm not going to let that stop me. I'm not going to let that end my journey. Just because people said that doesn't mean it's going to have to happen. Never let someone's opinion of you become your reality. Something I heard from Les Brown, and that stayed with me for a while. So from there, I was like, okay, they, they mentioned money, right? You got to find money because tires, fuel, race cars, people, transport, all that costs money. So what I did was, okay, I'm going to solve that problem by trying to find some sponsorship to help me get into a race car. Well, immediately, well, immediately um, I was met with a lot of no's because no company wanted to sponsor this new guy who was in the Navy and they're like, this is never going to happen. You're never going to make it. You know, so nobody wanted to sponsor me. But just because they didn't want to sponsor me doesn't mean my journey is over. When we all are given that vision, seeing where our goal clearly is and who we're supposed to become, what we're supposed to do, that means that the goal, the dream, whatever it is, is done. It's already done in the future. So why, why, why would we ever quit along the way, no matter what happens? Just because everyone told me no, it doesn't matter. I already saw it. That means it's there. Just keep pivoting. So what I did was I, I was like, okay, if I don't have the money right now and I'm not finding sponsorship, does that mean I quit? No. What's the next thing? I go make the money myself. How do I make the money? I start a business on the side of being active duty in the Navy and trying to pursue this racing thing. And the business I started was I rented out drag strips here, like look, tracks near me. Yep. And I would rent, the, rent out, pay the rental fee. And then I would invite a lot of people to come to the track, bring their own personal cars, race them all night. And I'd invite spectators and I would sell food and shirts and do all, everything I could to make money that day. And I would make money. And there was a lot of those days I made a lot of money and I would use that money I made to sponsor myself because every other company didn't want to sponsor me. I was going to figure out myself. And I did that. And that's what got me into the race car. And then I got some crowdfunding campaigns going on, um, which helped, you know, get me through a, a few races. And I, um, I had money saved up from deployments that got me through the first few races. So I did that to get myself in a race car. But while getting myself in a race car, I had to figure out how to even drive one. So I was like, okay, how am I going to train for this since I can't just go practice every single day in a race car? So what I did was I was like, okay, on the ship, in order to practice driving a ship, we use a ship simulator back home in San Diego. So is there a racing simulator out there? I looked online. Are there racing simulators? Yes. You can buy one for a few hundred dollars, up to $1,000, $5,000. How much do you want to spend on it? I found what was within my price range. I bought a racing simulator with a racing seat, steering wheels, pedals, shifter. I bought it, brought it home, put it in my room, and I trained on the racing simulator using a software called iRacing. And it simulates real-life racing it, it looks like a video game, but it's very realistic. And um, I use that to train myself how to be a race car driver. So I trained myself at home. 
I found the money through my business. I put it together and then used networking by going to the track and meeting teams to find teams to start racing with. And then from there, I started at a really, really low level of racing and started working my way up. Okay, Jesse, I am practically crying. I am so happy in hearing you. Tears of joy, not sadness. So, so just recapping for a second. So you, 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 you followed your passion. This is something that you loved doing, and it sounds like you had also steered a ship. And then you said, I'm going to do this. You couldn't get the sponsors immediately. So you said, I will figure out how to make the money to make it work. And then you um, said, all right, I don't have an easy way to do this. So or I, don't, I can't do it the traditional way. So I'm going to do it the disruptive way and get a simulator in my house. Okay, I have a question for you. You said you could already see it in your mind. I just heard you talk about Les Brown. So you've done a lot of visualization work. <laughs> question for you. Did you have some type of picture or action board as you were doing, what what did that visualization look like? So for me, um, even growing up as a kid, um, I've always been a very imaginative type person. And I always tell people like, you know, never lose that like inner child in you. Because that inner child, when we were all growing up, like kids are really, really powerful and they can do so much and achieve so much. What happens is the reason why some go off to just not ever do anything in life is because like either parents, their environment, older people, whatever, TV, media, whatever it is, starts putting things in their mind that like limit them. Like we don't limit kids, like they can be anything they want to be because their their imaginations are huge. So I've always kept that imagination. I still have a very kid-like imagination in my head. I, I see a lot of lofty things. I see a lot of just stuff. And it's in my head and I keep that going and flowing all the time because this is what allows me to clearly see my goals. So like I mentioned before, I was going to these tracks and doing these open track days, you know, from 2010 to 2014, 2015. And as I was doing those, I really, really enjoyed this, this race, this, this, you know, driving my car fast on the track. So then eventually I started seeing myself become a professional race car driver. Like it just kept coming to me and it's always, it's going to be a natural vision. When we have a goal and you want to achieve something big, it's going to be a natural vision. It isn't going to be something where one day you're just going to sit down and be like, you know what, let me think of something that I just want to go do or whatever, because that's like, it's not natural. You're like forcing it on yourself. I can sit here and think about being an astronaut, but that's not a natural vision that came to me. Like I wasn't like yearning for this is not something that continuously hits me every single day but the racing thing was so when i when i got that vision that's when i knew okay this is the beginning of the journey because there's a few steps to really achieving success in life first is getting your mindset in the right place where you're willing to give it all lose it all and figure out a way to get it back again like you got to get yourself into that position but once you do you got to have the vision because you got to clearly see it and uh, what happens is a lot of times we'll have a vision like you'll see where your goal is what you're supposed to accomplish but a lot of people will sometimes doubt it and sometimes those people who doubt it are the closest people to you it could be family it could be friends but like don't let that be something that deters you like the reason they doubt it is because they want to protect you they want to keep you in a very safe secure place when you're going after a big goal and dream you're taking a lot of risk you're you're leaving that safe and secure nest like there's no way to grow if you stay there like if you want that million dollar dream you're gonna have to put in a million dollar effort and when you do that you're getting out of this safe secure net people aren't gonna doubt you but guess what only you were given that vision they can't see it god did not put it in their head he put it in your head and your head only so if they can't see it for you you're going to have to see it for yourself that's what i had to do oh i love it so you had this vision you knew what you were going to do you could see it in your head it was going to happen do you remember one discrete event where you realized that someone else had finally seen the vision too maybe it was your first sponsor but there was someone else that like 
oh, they're starting to see it too. They were willing to sponsor you. Something happened. Do you remember one of those events? Yeah, there's a, there's a few of those. And yes, I did eventually find some sponsorship, which helped. And I've gotten more and more over the years. But honestly, uh, one I would say my agent, my agent, uh, Matt Casto, in 2017, about two and a half years into me grinding along this journey and, and figuring things out, uh, I was able to meet him through a mutual friend. And he saw the vision. He clearly saw it. And he saw exactly where I was going to go, what I was going to become. Like somehow, some way, we were aligned. And that happens. It's called like the law of vibration where we finally get aligned. So people get aligned on the same wavelength because they feel the same energy. And, and he was like, I see what you see. And we're going to go there. <laughs> so, so by him coming along, he's been able to help me a lot. Um, you know, I would say my trajectory was like, you know, it was going up. And then he came along and it started going up a lot higher. What I tell people is, you know, once again, it, it's not going to be easy for everyone to jump on board your journey. Some people are going to believe in it. Some people aren't. Some people will like maybe they can't see it, but they say, you know what, knowing you, you'll probably achieve it. So they kind of believe in it. You know, a lot of times it just takes you being able to cast your vision on people. If you need someone to be on board with it, you got to be great at casting that vision on someone so that they can they can see it, too. If they can't see it, it's very hard for them to believe it. I mean, it's just like walking into a, a dark room. If you can't see where the light switch is, half the time people won't go look for it, even though everyone knows that the light switch is in the room. How many rooms in the world are there out there that there's no light switch? It always is. But if you walk into a pitch black room, you have to have faith that it's going to be there no matter what. <laughs> yeah, and you also made a really good point that sometimes it's the people closest to us that it's it's the hardest for the people closest to us to see the vision because they're they want to protect you and i think that's a really important point so that when people aren't buying into it to not get angry with them just to understand like they want to protect you so i think that that was very valid okay i want to give a shout out to the very first sponsor who was the very first sponsor for you yeah so uh my very first major sponsor uh was a fellow who he wanted to remain anonymous but He, uh, what he did was this, it was really great. It was super cool. And this helped me learn a lot of different things. What he did was instead of just directly just sponsoring me and being like, Hey, here's, you know, X amount of money so that you can go race the rest of your season. Because at that point I had ran out of money. Like I was at this tipping point where I was like, I'm doing the business thing and the business thing is making money, but like the next event that I'm putting on isn't for like a few months. So like, you know, is this journey going to really pan out the way it's supposed to pan out? All that stuff. I was in this really tough spot. I didn't have any extra money. I had races coming up and I didn't know what to do. And he came out of nowhere and like saved the day. But this is what he did. Instead of just giving me directly the money and be like, hey, go race. He was like, that's what I'm going to do. He donated it to a uh, charity. And he's like, look, I'm going to donate this to a charity. They're going to use it to sponsor you. Like you're going to use some of the funds to sponsor you and some of the funds to, to uh, bring veterans and their families, wounded veterans and their families to the track. And what y'all are going to do is you're going to figure out some way to give these, uh, these wounded vets a huge VIP experience, um, you know, have them in a suite at the track, uh, have their names plastered on the race car, bring their families there, uh, be able to get down on the track, do all that stuff. And that's what we did. So it was a way where, you know, I got to race. We got to bring these wounded vets and give them a time of their life. You know, something that, you know, because a lot of these wounded vets are going through a lot of things, going through a lot of issues, some of them depressed, you know, not feeling like their life is worth anything. You know, they're going through a lot. So to get the opportunity for a race car driver to put them on a race car, bring them to the track, them and their family, uh, give them this crazy VIP experience for the weekend, 
being a suite, watching the races, having a good time, and just honor them for that weekend. Like, that's huge. And that's what we did for multiple races that year. Um, it was a really, really cool opportunity. I got to meet a lot of cool people, hear a lot of cool stories, and um, honor them through, you know, what I was doing in racing. And it was cool for them, too, because I was a guy who was still serving. So they're like, okay, you know, if I'm going to root for anybody, it's going to be this guy who, who knows where I came from. You yeah. know, so... Uh, that was my first big one in 2015. And then since then, um, I've had, you know, multiple sponsors um, jump on board who have wanted to leverage my story of this guy who went from driving naval warships to racing professionally uh, in the number one motorsport in the United States of America. When you're on the track and you're going over 200 miles an hour, I, I want to hear a little bit about what's going on in your head. How do you know when you're underconfident and what's happening? And how do you know when you're overconfident and how do you correct for that and what does it feel like when you're completely in the sweet spot you're completely in the flow so uh, focus is definitely a uh, big part of racing it's the biggest part of racing so you know coming from the football world you know people ask me all the time like before a uh, football game what do you do and I, I tell people you know before a football game I would try to get amped up as much as possible, try to really bring up my energy level, bring up everything because you're about to step on a field where you're running all over the field with the ball uh, or trying to get to somebody with the ball. And these are all, all other human beings who are all most of the time bigger or faster than you. And you have to throw your body through them as hard as you can multiple times in a two hour span. So you got to get really amped up to do this very unnatural thing. Now, uh, for racing, it's different. You're not doing that. You, you actually need to be able to drive and control a race car um, to the best of your ability for two, three, four hours at a time in extreme heat. And uh, you have to be as calm as possible because you have to be smooth. In order to be fast on the track, you got to be smooth. Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. And this is something you can actually apply to anything in life. Slow is smooth smooth is fast so so applying that concept to it you have to be very very focused and when you finally find that balance where you can put the race car on edge without ever going over the edge but not staying really too much under um that's when you're at that that best that perfect moment where you are as fast as you can possibly be and you make it look easy and everything looks smooth and you're and you're really good now <laughs> if you are not focused very well it, it can go one or two ways you can just be uh, way slower or you will be going over the edge too much and hitting a wall at 180 plus miles per hour um so <laughs> it takes a lot of focus but um slow is smooth smooth is fast any final thoughts before we wrap up for all of those out there who are trying to go achieve big goals and big dreams, um, you know, they see the vision, they know where they're supposed to go. I would challenge everyone to do this. You know, once you have that vision and you clearly see where you're supposed to go, who you're supposed to become, from then on, every single day, you need to have daily action every single day. Execute on action every single day. Not just Monday, Tuesday, not just Saturday or Sunday, not just here and there. Like every single day, put energy towards it. As you're putting this focused energy towards the goal on a daily basis, you will go through a dark tunnel. This path that you're going to to try to achieve something bigger is a very dark tunnel. It's pitch black. But once again, remember, you already clearly saw the vision. You already clearly saw the goal. That goal is at the end of the tunnel. That's that light at the end of the tunnel. But while you're going through the tunnel, it's pitch black. And it's going to be pitch black all the way through. Even when you're two inches away from the end of the tunnel, it's still pitch black. But this is where faith 
comes into play. You have to have faith that that vision you clearly saw, that light at the end of the tunnel is there when you cannot see it because you will not be able to see it. That's life testing you. As you're pushing through, you're grinding through, understand that you will go through these dark times in that tunnel. And you have to understand that you cannot quit because life does reward those who stay strong enough, long enough. So you've got to stay strong enough, long enough in order to get to the end. And when you finally get to the end, understand that along that whole way, even when you achieve what you want to achieve in life, there will be people who will reach out for help, people who will reach out for advice. Always give back always help because I'm a firm believer that those who help others achieve their dreams will achieve theirs too. So continue to give out, continue to help, continue to help people around you grind, stay strong enough, long enough. You'll make it to anything you want in life. And uh, our minds are very powerful. So remember that what you think about, you bring about. Oh, what you think about, bring about, you bring about. And if you want to be an agent of disruption, first become its subject. Jesse, would you thank you so much for being with us? Jesse's story is so inspiring. But if you walk away from our conversation with only one thing, let it be this. Just because you don't know how to achieve something doesn't mean you can't. Jesse was sitting in his room one night and just decided that when football was done, he was going to jump to the S-curve of NASCAR driver. He had no idea how to do that, but he did know where to start. As Jesse explained, get up and take action every single day. Also, ask questions. If one person doesn't give you the info you need, go to the next one. And when people give you the wrong answer, don't listen. Everyone told Jesse, African-Americans don't race in motorsports and you have to come from a wealthy family. Well, yes, it takes money to train for NASCAR, but Jesse found another way. Racing simulators, still expensive, but this was his access point. It's so easy to say, just don't give up and follow your dream. Jesse's advice is more tactical cast your net as wide as possible, then double down on what's working. If you want more inspiration on taking action, listen to Richie Norton, episode 286, John Tesh, episode 239, and Lena Nyer, episode 235. Thank you again to Jesse Wuji for being our guest. Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to our producer, Matt Silverman. Audio editor, Whitney Joe, Production assistant, Stephanie Brummel. And production coordinator, Nicole Pellegrino. I'm Whitney Johnson, and this is Disrupt Yourself. Disrupt Yourself.